Hello and welcome to Point Streak, a podcast where we talk everything gaming and the issues that concern gamers. We're all members and contributors over at Enthusiacs.com. Thank you once again for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at Enthusiacs or our YouTube channel, Simply Enthusiacs, where all our video content resides. I'm your host, Jeff, or Baron Fang, and today I am joined by Goose. How are you, Goose? Doing well. How about yourself? Excellent. By Jen. Hello. And once again by Tony. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Um, let's hit up, uh, discuss uh, what we've been playing lately. How about you, Goose? I actually recently started a run back through um, Dragon Age Origins. Ooh. Oh. God. How many? How long has it been? <laughs> I usually try to run it at least once a year. Okay. Well, uh, how about you, Jen? I just started. Um, playing Minecraft on PlayStation 4. I really wanted to play my PC account, but apparently it was stolen, so (laughs) we're looking into that. And recently I restarted No Man's Sky, which is really cool because, you know, I haven't played it since quite a few updates ago. So I'm kind of relearning and yet experiencing all these new things like base building. So that's been really, really cool, too. Hmm. Uh, What have you been playing, Tony? Uh, actually, recently just started playing uh, Assassin's Creed 4. It was a uh, free game that I downloaded, God, I want to say at least like two years from the Xbox Live service for free. Um, oh, really yeah. <laughs> yeah, really different kind of Assassin's Creed game. Not what I was expecting, but in a good way. So um, still haven't finished it yet, probably about halfway through. And um, to jump on, I jumped back on Titanfall for a little bit, Titanfall 2. Mm. Um, they came out with a new expansion for that. But uh, yeah, those are the two games have been eating up the majority of my time. Yeah. I've been diving back into Warframe. I'm going to TennoCon in about uh, almost exactly a month, actually. Um, so there's some content there that I wanted to make sure that I was uh, up to speed on before uh, heading a, a convention before. I, I've, I've never been to a dedicated gaming convention before. I mean, I've been to, you know, general interest uh Cons. You mean dedicated to a certain game? Yeah, or or just one that's like you know gaming specific. But yeah, this one being a certain game uh, and just happening to be a few kilometers away from where I live was uh, <laughs> it's handy. Was, uh, was handy um, and and relatively cheap. Uh, it's funny though they they're actually selling digital passes to the event, so people that aren't going can still get the exclusive content that you otherwise would only be able to get uh, on the show floor, which is kind of cool. And plus, I guess you can yeah. watch most of the the big events, uh, keynote, etc., on uh, streaming live too. So, um, even if you're not among the thousand or so attendees, uh, you can still participate apparently. So, uh, I wanted to get to a topic, and uh, we'll credit uh, dear Chris who couldn't join us today up front. Uh, we're going to be talking about gaming pet peeves today. Um, <laughs> now, his original idea was gaming mechanic pet peeves, and while to be honest, I think we could probably spend a whole podcast just on that subset. I thought I'd just throw it a little wider uh, in in general, uh, just to just to sort of um, make sure that we don't cast too wide a net. I'm not so much talking about industry pet peeves. Uh, you know, if I was doing that, I'd probably just get Vernon on and he could fill the whole hour for us. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I, you know, like not not shout the, out to the black dragon. Not not so much the stupid shit that company X Y Z does, or that, or you know, why why is there uh, so much DLC? Why is there you know uh, free to play content in in freemium games? That sort of thing. Uh, so uh, more more about the games themselves, the mechanics, the uh, the bugs, the yeah, as opposed to the uh, the wider industry BS that surrounds it, which um, you know we've covered in in different ways. Um, it's funny, I when I thought, have we sort of scratched on this topic before? I think it was when we did um, uh, QuickTime events, wasn't it? <laughs> that was. Uh, <laughs> It was, but you know, it's funny. I thought, well, maybe there were some positives in that one, and I listened to it a little bit, and I realized, yeah, no, we weren't really going even-handed on QuickTime events. That was pretty much just a a beatdown. So, but yeah, quick, uh, you know, and and we'll say up front, yes, I'm sure QuickTime events probably uh, is on our respective lists. But uh, yeah, I just thought I'd uh, throw it open to anything to do with the games themselves. But a question up front. Um, and and again, I, I'm asking this question because I'm a little older than everyone else here, but I, I'm I'm curious 
because uh, you all you all have played retro games of one sort or another. I'll, I'll start with you, Goose. Is, 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 do you think that there's there's something that you used to hate about old games that modern gaming has managed to solve? I, I know that graphics are better and load times are better and blah 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 and all those things that we take for granted. Um, I, I don't get blisters like I used to as well. I don't know if maybe that's just because I <laughs> maybe it's because I have a job and, and a life. <laughs> maybe that's why. But uh, I, I'm trying to think like what dating back to when because I had you know plenty of things that bugged me back in the NES days and even the Coleco days and and earlier uh, and the subsequent systems in between. But um, is there anything about the, the old systems that modern system as far as just something that used to bug the crap out of you that modern systems have fixed or or is it just new flavors of, of new crap one thing i've noticed is back in the day used to be button inputs <laughs> used to have it was a slight delay uh, but it would be enough to just irritate the hell out of you and nowadays that's more the rarity as opposed to the example whereas back in the day if you hit the button and it immediately worked that was an exception to yeah. the rule as opposed to it actually being the way it was whereas nowadays gaming seems to have gotten past that yeah yeah uh, how about how about you jen not really i mean the thing is i i, I keep going back in my mind as goose was talking to my early sonic days mm. and I despise boss fights. I do to this day. I always have. I always will. I feel like they have gotten better, though. But is that because I'm much older now? Like, was question. it that impossible or was it because I was little? So I'm a little conflicted there. I feel like there that might have gotten better. But again, it could be me. Yeah. How about you, Tony? Is uh, there anything that uh, you see now as having been improved or, or cured uh you know, 10, 10, 15 years hence, or however you would define modern versus classic games. Absolutely. And uh, I'm not sure how great your editing skills are, but, you know, in post, if you could add like an echo effect to this, that would be great. <laughs> but internal memory. Yeah, yeah. The day of uh, no longer having memory cards and dealing with all that shenanigans. I mean, nowadays you still, like, with the modern consoles, it's, you know, a debate of like, no, let me delete this 50, 70 gig game so I can put a new one. <laughs> and that takes forever so yeah. it's still kind of reared its ugly head again but yeah. the fact of not having a physical memory card Any, anyone here <laughs> had to do the uh, get a blank sheet of paper and, and write out the uh, 20 letter code and, and that's yep. what, that's your save game oh yeah than, uh, oh yeah oh god <laughs> I and of, and of course, and of course, the entry system had to be the most convoluted bullshit. Like, oh, make one mistake, start over again. Type, oh, just yeah. Lord. No, it, I, I'm with you, Tony. I think internal memory and and the ability to um, just walk away from the system, <laughs> you know, and and not have to worry about losing your progress is uh, is definitely uh, uh, something that's right. Actually speaking, which then um, wasn't isn't that how the original Sonic games were? Like there there was absolutely no couldn't save. Yeah, you had every yeah. time you booted up the yeah. <laughs> I, I if that's what games were today, I would lose my mind. Yeah, absolutely. me too. That that's a big one actually. I almost oh, forgot amen that, that part. It was yeah. all the Mario games too. I mean, yeah, you could just go get flutes and and go into you know secret pipes and skip worlds, but you were you were starting over there too. Um, yeah, and and uh, but once once the era of the long adventure game slash RPG came along, like for I don't know about you guys, but the first time I ever played a game that had internal memory, it would have been Zelda Two, the uh, the Adventure of Link, and that game. Yeah. Yeah, you're not finishing that one in a sitting. You're not finishing that one in a week. Oh hell no. So uh, yeah, internal memory for the win. Uh, not not to to hammer this uh say this uh, progress point too hard but uh th just and just to get the ball rolling on pet peeves because i know that this one is pretty universal um nothing i don't know that anything bugs people more universally than checkpoint saves when they don't when, when they get them wrong <sighs> yeah uh and, yeah and, and you know like like what's what's a current example that's pretty good i'd like to think that uh that was one of the big strikes against alien isolation for example was checkpoint save mm -hmm. stuff um scarcity in saves and i think tony you would probably uh say the, the early uh, resident evil games were a good example of that where you had to find goddamn ribbons well yeah but yeah. I, I think there's a counter argument to that one though but yeah well in that that they add some level of uh challenge or, yeah or just kind of you know I, I kind of adds as weird as it may sound to so that adds to the survival horror aspect. Like yeah. I can't save here, but I know I don't have too many 
later on. I don't know what I'm going to face in the future. It might be better to save after the next boss fight, so on yeah. and so forth. Yeah. But for me, it's when it's for me, it's it's not so much even the the number of them. It's when they're paced in the wrong spot. Like, it, like if you ever read a book and it, the chapters are of different lengths, and you just want to you just want to finish your chapter, and yet the game there's games that are the same thing where you're like, how long has it been since the last like autosave? <laughs> Seriously, I've been here for half an hour. Yeah. The last two were five minutes apart. That stuff I don't understand. Like how hard, like how hard is it for somebody to just say uh pacing? Um, but yeah, I, I might, uh, I might throw it to you, Jen, uh, to, to sort of, uh, in Chris's absence, um, bought because you were the one that brought up boss fights initially. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have to admit this, this is one that, uh, that when Chris brought it up, I thought, oh, the, uh, the long cutscene right before a difficult section or bond boss fight that you can't skip. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you played R- you played <laughs> RE7 recently, Jen. Uh, is is this something that's uh, has has is there is there a way to, to to get around this or? Well, I don't I don't think our, uh, and Tony, you can you I actually goes too. You can both back me up. I don't think there really were any long cutscenes, and I don't think that you couldn't skip any. I, if I remember correctly, I was having trouble with the last boss fight in RE7, and I'm pretty yeah. sure like the whole intro sequence to – well, I don't want to throw any spoilers out there, but right. just yeah. kind of coming that boss, um, right. it, you couldn't skip that. So. Oh, okay. But it wasn't too long, was it? No, because it wasn't it didn't... too bad, no. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes they can be brutal. Like you feel like you're watching a movie, and you just have to watch it over and over and over. Yeah. Well, the that. sad thing to that is the easy solution is just to, okay, if you want them to watch it the first time, fine. But then after that, give them the option to yes. skip it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've actually right. played games that have done that. And, you know, the button appears the second time. It wasn't there the first. But exactly. I don't know. Do these writers think that their their words are so sacrosanct that we have to see them every time? <laughs> you know? I, 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 I don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, credit to Chris for that because that's, that's one yeah. that's uh, – as as annoying as it is, it's one that's easy to forget after the fact. You know that that's the thing about boss fights. Once once they're done, you just, you just want to get on with it and never think about it again. And you know, exactly. I mean, even watching Tony playing um, uh, Raven. Sorry, what was the Bloodborne? Yeah, well, <laughs> even watching Tony play Bloodborne, and I I'm not the one playing. Watching him, you know, run back from this from the respawn point to the boss over and over again, and there wasn't even a cutscene. There was bad enough. Um, well, let's, uh, let's hit some of our personal, uh, <laughs> personal faves. Uh, how about you, Goose? What would you say is sort of top of your list for just gaming pet peeve that just drives you batty? The and top I'm, and of I'm my not just list... saying that because you have a picture of a bat in your picture. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the top of my list is any game single player that doesn't let you pause. I mean, I get the, the whole get good culture and all that. That's wonderful. <laughs> but sometimes you have stuff to do and you need to stop the game for a second. And not being able to pause just drives me nuts. The chief among them recently would be the Dark Souls franchise. Yeah. I, I think at some point, you know, there's going to be a class action where a bunch of gamers band together and sue one of these companies for Euromycetosis. <laughs> I mean, seriously, is there? there's really no excuse for it. Uh, it's, well, not, it's not like it's extra code or anything. <laughs> no, but I can understand what? it being like if you, like you had something you could turn on the feature, like if you wanted a challenge mode or something. That I could get, but give the casual guys the ability to pause. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, again, I would make you know another counter argument saying that that's kind of the the flavor of Dark Souls. You know, it's it is the whole get good like you know culture. It just kind of plays into it. But yeah. A, a, a feature like that, I think, would definitely turn more players, more casual players onto it. I tried the first Dark Souls and couldn't. I, I haven't even still beaten Bloodborne, but I still love it, but it's still infuriating as all hell. Um, but, yeah, I think that would definitely oh, yeah. be a great feature. But to piggyback off that, sorry, I mean to hijack you, Jeff. But, no, no. Um, I, like, in that in that case, it, it makes sense. I, I can at least see a counter argument to it, but like it, this actually just reminded me of it today because I don't mean to date this podcast, but the uh, the EA um, press conference just happened today, and they were talking about the new uh, Need for Speed Payback, I think it's called. Um, yeah. And the one, this is I think the third game that the Ghost, uh, uh, I believe it's just Ghost, the developers made, and it's it's the third game. I'm pretty sure that's not going to have a, a pause feature. There, there is no pause. It's an always online kind of game. You cannot pause, and that's just. 
that infuriated. Like, I thought the other two games before that were okay, except for the fact that you couldn't pause. Yeah. It was, like, again, in Dark Souls, I can understand it. In that game, it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Um, how about you, Jen? What would be your uh, sort of number uh, number one? I what will come back to you if you've got uh, multiple ones. I'm just interested in hearing what <laughs> yeah, your gotta... sort of uh, top, you know, your absolute worst. Yeah, I got a list in front of me. I think it's really hard to choose, but I think I'll just start off with the the one that really stuck with me or was most recently, which which is Outlast Two, and it's constant chase chase sequences. Hmm. I feel like the vast majority of Outlast 2, I was running away from something. And I understand that in horror games. That's going to happen. But when, it's like they relied on that too much. Yeah. It's like way too much. It can be and a it, lazy it, mechanic it, it, sometimes. Yeah, it felt really lazy. Like they were leaning on that so much. And there were other scenes, and I don't want to spoil them, but there were other scenes in the game that I was just floored by. And I was like, this is the most amazing atmosphere and tension. They need more of this. But if I'm being chased around all the time, I can't just stop and enjoy the atmosphere. So it's like they were almost there, and then they just added way too much of that. And it, to me, it just nothing kills the fun of horror, like running around. It just makes you stressed out. It's not fun, and it's not scary. It's just annoying. Yeah, yeah. Um, how about you, Tony? What would be your, your sort of top year list? Uh, well, this is the one I was thinking about, and uh, I forgot Chris wanted to talk about mechanics in general, so this will be for him especially. Um but I guess the way to phrase it would be when a game overly relies on a mechanic that's not really central to the, uh, the, the game as a whole, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. like, for instance, what I was thinking of as an example uh, was Mass Effect and Andromeda, where um, they finally, after three games, added in uh, the, you know, a jump feature into it, which, you know, <laughs> was great. Welcome to 2017. But um, <laughs> at, the, at the same time, it's... Like, obviously, you could play, obviously, you know, Mass Effect 1 through 3. It wasn't a, you know, there wasn't a jump mechanic, but you could play the whole game, obviously. Yeah. Um, so it, it wasn't core to the, you know, you could obviously play that game without ever jumping. So that's why I don't consider it core necessarily, even though it did offer some unique um, combat, you know, scenarios. But, uh, it, but like, they just added way too many, like, jumping puzzles, way too many platforming sequences that it was like, this is getting really old. Like, I get it. Like, you have this feature now. Yeah. But it's it just kept going on and on. It get it got really old really quick. Yeah, it, it got to the point. I don't know if you guys found this where I would be in vaults and I'd be looking at the way that various um, platforms were were lined up, and I'd be like, "Man, this, this these vaults are just an excuse for the, for them to show off the fact there's a jump feature. There's, li- right. <laughs> there's literally nothing else to this." You know, like this will go up and this go down, and eventually I'll be able to jump and hang. You know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. It it's it it took a it took something that no one missed <laughs> in the earlier games and just crammed it in and made it. I mean, God, how much of that game did we spend jumping? Quite a <laughs> quite a quite a bit <laughs> as it turned. So out. I was trying to think of a, another example, and I don't know if anyone here has played it because I haven't. But I obviously I heard this is one of the main criticisms of the game was uh, uh, Dark Knight, right? But, wow, mm-hmm. I'm forgetting with the. Yeah, with uh, Arkham Knight. I'm sorry. Yeah, with uh, the the whole tank sequences. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. never played it. I can't speak to it, but I heard that was obviously another major complaint. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's almost a slightly different. Uh, well, I don't know. I actually no. I think it is sort of in line with what you're saying. It's a new feature. They've added it in. It in this case, it's something that people were actually asking about. Is you know when are we going to get the Batmobile, etc. And then they made people wish. That they never asked. (laughs) (laughs) You want it here. You you want it it. here. You go. Where you want to play Fiddler Crab Batmobile that just scuttles from side (laughs) to side all the time. You got it. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, if there's not a model PC that adds the Zoidberg sound to that, (laughs) then (laughs) the internet has failed. (laughs) I mean, I I think I'm with with most people when when I when I was excited about Batmobile stuff, it was high speed. You know like racing around quickly sort of stuff and in the end it turned into uh it it turned it turned into like almost like a battlefront <laughs> in a way just uh not not quite what people were expecting and obviously they were very deeply in love with it and you know it, it's it's gotten to the point where that that's what i think of when i think that game and i haven't even played it so um so in terms of my personal uh 
worst ever. This is sort of in the mechanic sort of realm. And Goose, you sort of almost touched on this earlier, and that's when jump <laughs> and uh, on the subject of jumping, Tony. It's when jumping doesn't feel right. That's what mm. bothers me. There's there's a number of games out there, and um, I think we can agree that the the original Super Mario and the the sort of the physics of what Mario running, turning around, jumping, etc. And games of that ilk sort of perfected that feel of the pl- of a platformer that requires you to jump. Um, Sonic's another one like that, where it's very natural how, how Sonic jumps, etc. But every once in a while, you come across a game, even a good game, where they've decided to add in this really floaty or hesitant or <laughs> inaccurate uh, or listless type jumping system that is just completely different than any other any other game. And it's it just it's just infuriating, like something that should be so simple and for reasons that I, and you can't even figure out why they've done it. Like, have they put it in there for the challenge? Did they think, oh, it'll be too much like Mario Brothers if, if we make the jumping like that? But it, it's in a game that requires you to jump a lot or and should, as opposed to a game like Mass Effect, where they've just shoehorned it in. Uh, that's just a death knell. You know, if, if you're having to do something over and over again, like imagine <laughs> Imagine playing Halo, and like, what's the what's the standard rifle in Halo, Tony? Like a pulse rifle or something? Just the assault rifle. Imagine if the imagine if they screwed up the assault rifle, <laughs> you know, like the most common weapon in the game, and you were going to be using it like a third of the time. That that's that that's sort of what this feels like. I I don't know why they they have to do it. I I, I would think at this point in the year 2017 that physics and stuff would be pretty easy to implement, but. If you're going to have a game with jumping in it and you can't have the mechanic not feel like, you know, you've got a phone ahead in order to get your commands to be (laughs) recognized properly, uh, that's just a killer. And uh, you see it in AAA games. You see it in in, uh, independents. I I don't know why it's so hard to get get right when there's just so many correct uh, templates for it out there. And here's another one that, that I'll credit one of our mutual friends. Uh, and I know we've talked about this before. Uh, I'm sure everyone's encountered this, I, I, and I'm not sure everyone here is super familiar with uh, the real physics of real weapons, but when they manage to put shotguns in a game and they're, they they fall off at like 20 feet in terms of damage. <laughs> or when they exceed that by like, you know, they shoot like, you know, yeah. an ungodly distance. Yeah. Like how how hard is it to get shotguns right? You know, like no no, you're not safe at 30 feet. You know, they don't they're not like pea shooters at after 29, but nor are they sniper rifles. Like, it's it's just not that hard, folks. Like, you know, I I know that in some cheesy action games they just have this sort of spread fire thing going on, but you know you don't you don't have to make it so that if the guy's literally across one lane of a street, he he's you can't kill him. You know. Um, and they even do it in futuristic games where there's like a, a, a shotgun stand-in, you know, and they're like, well, this is what it's like in the World War II game, so we're gonna we're gonna make the shotgun completely ineffective at any sort of medium distance. God, I kind of leapfrogging off to your point. They do the same thing with sniper rifles, where you go to aim in and you'll like be moving in a figure eight. And it's like, <laughs> come on, guys, <laughs> come on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't understand that because certainly actual snipers are a lot more steady than this <laughs> because it looks like the guy had like five cups of coffee and he's just shaking all over the place yeah and yeah I know. he's had a little too much whiskey yeah. Oh, what, yeah what is what is the big um uh the one that does that is it call of duty that does that i'm trying to think like i i know exactly what you're talking about but i can't think of a specific example well our Judge Greg actually was talking about this, or our Judge Greg was talking about that earlier, and he said that it was Metal Gear Solid 2, where there was the sniper oh section where oh, yeah, he yeah. used the pistol because it was actually more accurate. Yeah. So. Yeah, that yeah. that is that is true. <laughs> yeah, it's almost as though they're like, well, sniper rifles are really powerful, so we have to make them, you know, have this completely awful <laughs> disadvantage to them, you know, so that everyone seems like they have Parkinson's when they zoom in the scope, you know, 
or the or and what I what I don't mind so much is when they actually put in a proper hold your breath feature. I like that because that to me sort of adds a, a, a level of like realism to it. But that's true. But sometimes they only give you like three seconds. Yeah, yeah. And I and I think we can all hold our breath longer than three <laughs> seconds. Is that <laughs> is that that's fair? fair? Yeah. I, I don't but know. Then, I, like, look, the sniper should be able to hold his breath longer than the nerd holding the controller. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I feel so like true. balance sometimes becomes a a blessing and a, and a curse too in in games where you know and particularly in multiplayer games where people are going to be head to head they feel like they have to have these things attuned perfectly uh, but sometimes in the single player experience it, it really does take you out of it when when you seem like you know you, you're just having disadvantages thrown at your feet for the sake of making the game more challenging when I, I don't know about you guys I'd just rather have you know stuff like an AI that's challenging in some way um yeah. how about you goose what's another one that uh really ticks you off i know this one may not bug as many people as it does me but in most rpgs nowadays when someone gives you a quest they don't tell you where to go or what you're doing it just says oh hey i'll mark your map and then you have this big glowing marker where it is whereas old school you would like get descriptions, you know, go around the corner, look for this monument, etc. So you would not even need to use your journal yeah. if you wanted to immerse yourself in the game. Now, most recently, for example, the Witcher series, I noticed still does that. Yeah. But other series, like for, it used to be in the Elder Scrolls, it kind of fell off. It used to be in the older Fallout, it kind of fell out. I, well, that's ironic, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, but but that's one thing that really does bug me when I'm playing a game, and it's just, instead of telling me where to go, it's just, here, follow the light. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about you, Jen? Any any others that come to mind? Um, one thing that's always bothered me, and I, I love stealthy games, I, you know, so obviously I love Dishonored, and I love Assassin's Creed. and But what bothers me is when these games, you know, tell you, oh, you can approach the whole game however you want you can be straight stealth you can be you know all out combat war just <laughs> balls to the wall whatever you want right but there are obviously certain missions that i feel like okay maybe you can do them in a stealthy manner but i feel like there's a lot of the missions where they're designed for a specific approach mm. And that kind of bothers me. Like, if these games are going to go on and on about how, you know, you can play this however you want, you can approach this however you want, and really the only way to get through it is to do it in one specific way, that kind of sucks. That's always yeah. bothered me. And I don't know, that might be a small well, one. Well, and it's it's dishonest, too. Never mind uh, annoying, you know, if you're, if you're advertising it as being this, you know, choose-your-own-path type setup. Uh, one that's sort of related to that, Jen, and I, I don't know whether Dishonored's a good example of this, but I think we've all come across this, is a game where, you know, again, again, they sort of encourage you to uh, to fight intelligently, if that's the best way to put it. You kill one guy relatively discreetly, and suddenly you're fighting the Borg, <laughs> and the hive mind is aware that's... of your exact pinpointed lo location. Oh my you know? gosh! Like, yeah. fi fine if you're playing against an enemy that actually does have a hive mind, but you know, I, I would like it if there's like a, a millisecond between when everyone is is you know homing in on your exact uh, grid location after someone drops a pop can or something. It's it, it right. I, I don't I don't know why it's so hard to get that line right. Like you know, and and sometimes it's comically done the other way. So you would think that there's they've got a way to dial this in. Um, yeah. I've got one in in mind. I'm going to ask you in a bit, Tony. But uh, any more that come to come to your mind? Um, I, I did have one, although it's, it's kind of a broad reaching topic and a, maybe a little bit outside of the scope of this topic, but, um, and it could go on for a while. Um, I guess the best way to say it is just kind of like the industries, maybe not even the industries, just, you know, publisher developers, their, their take on the monetization of games. Cause I feel like this is definitely something for another topic. So I'll keep it brief, but just how some companies, I feel like they know how to monetize. You know, I, I understand games are getting more, you know, costly to develop and they're looking for ways to become more of a service or, you know, more than just a one-time purchase, which I've come to become okay with, but the, the way they try to offer it mm. nowadays seems very, like some companies get it, some don't. I think actually Nintendo is one of the better ones that understands it. But like, for instance, this would be a big uh, talking point for another, you know, an episode on maybe DLC or something like that. But with like Titanfall 2, jumping back on that, I, I really enjoy the game. I wish it did better than it did. I know it's the problem of the release date and everything, but 
it, you know, and it's great because all of the the new content is free. All of the new maps, all right. of the new chassis for the Titans and everything, they're all free. But the only thing to support the game is by buying skins, which is fine. But me personally, when I was going to look at it, like, okay, I, I want to support this game. Let me spend some more money on it. Uh, I went to go look at their offerings, and it's like, oh, there's a $35 DLC pack for straight skins. And I'm like, I'm not spending $35 on skin. <laughs> granted, granted, they give you the option to buy, like, individual skin packs or something like that for, like, 3 bucks or something. And that's fine. But it, it's just, it's all over the place. And I don't see how that game is going to do well granted like i said i think nintendo monetizes some of their 3ds games pretty well but it it, it doesn't it seems like they're all struggling to find yep. a way to correct like it, it went like with again going back to titanfall 2 I, I promise i'll wrap this up soon. <laughs> <laughs> with titanfall like again they released that they just released a new map and, new t- and a new chassis i would have been i actually would have been more happier to pay like 10 or 15 bucks for that rather than you know showing out little bits for skins that i honestly could care less for or paying 35 dollars for a skin pack like that's outrageous yeah yeah uh goose i know this is one you and i have talked about before this one has bothered me for a long time uh games that don't allow you to change the control or button settings oh uh, god yes <laughs> that is just to me that is in unforgivable like it, it's 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 obviously possible to do um it's it's just laziness uh, you know i i've never come across a game where there there hasn't been and I, i'm talking about in cases where it actually matters you know like in particular like a first person type game where i mean we even the four of us probably have pretty different feelings about that sort of stuff you know or keyboard versus controller that but i just don't get it you know like if they have the ability to do it or at least allow you to rotate through different um types of 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 button settings and and don't put that in or take or even worse take it out uh which kind of brings me to my next point and i don't know this is something that you have you know tony you, you're you're somebody that i <laughs> associate as, as as having a, a number of uh franchises that are near and dear to your heart so i know i know that you've dealt with this but something that gets me and again we're sort of straying into an industry attitude but it, it's probably more developer specific is this insistence on sequels removing features from previous games that that worked stri- and stri- stripping them out like I, I don't understand that mindset you know if it's something that was broke ass didn't work fine but if something worked well and you, and this is supposed to be a sequel why strip them out f- just for the sake of, of of stripping them out you know uh wh- why force the player to learn everything everything from the ground up again um i i just don't get it you know particularly when uh it, it you know like is this something that you find in ha- halo or resident evil that that gets you or or is the distance between them tends to 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 stop that or 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 perhaps Metal Gear is a better better example. I know I know I got pissed off by some of the stuff that they would change game to game. Resident Evil, I feel like, is an outlier because God, that franchise has gone all over the place. It's like <laughs> you you get a completely new game with a sequel. Mm. It's like it it's that that's kind of like an outlier. I wouldn't even really count that for discussion. Halo, Halo, I feel like does a, a more or less a better job of building upon their mechanics for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know in Reach, they didn't really carry over the uh, the Spartan abilities, although they more or less returned in Halo 5. And I, I can see that actually being an issue in Halo 6, when and if that ever comes out. Um, <laughs> if they carry over some of the, the mechanics they, they introduced in 5, I think Halo is a little bit better on that end. Yeah. But I know, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think actually a, a great example of that would be, uh, well, maybe not specifically of that, but like the Arkham series, like mm-hmm. when you went. Um, asylum to what is a city? Yeah, and it's basically like, oh, he has to relearn how to build all of these gadgets or do all of these things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that stuff annoys the crap out of me too. Uh, I mean, everyone here remembers the intro to Mass Effect Three, where the game, <laughs> the game insultingly taught you how to do the basics of running over cover and, <laughs> and, and shooting uh, bullet <laughs> and shooting introductory enemies and reloading your gun again. I mean. Uh, 
I mean, at uh, least if you're going to do that, take the uh, the blood dragon approach where they're like taunting. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was I was just going to say that. Yes. yes. And and blood and on the subject of blood dragon, that's a game that does a good job of sending up a lot of stuff that we would probably collectively consider to be pet peeves. So uh, so good on them. That that's uh, if, if you're if you're going to include the stuff, you might as well have a, a sense of humor about it. Uh, Goose, uh, last one that uh, sort of gets your goat. Honestly, this is going to be a little more broad, kind of like Tony's last point, mm-hmm. but pandering in the form of diversity. Yeah. That's one that I, it's really become a thing here lately. I don't want to name names, but I probably will by the time this is over. <laughs> but it comes to a point where it doesn't it doesn't feel like you're trying to be inclusive. It comes across as creepy and pandery, which even to the groups you're trying to pander to can't be a good thing. Granted, I'm not a member of many of these groups, but I would imagine if I were, I would see it more as insulting than inclusion. But it doesn't come off as sincere, does it? Exactly. It comes across yeah. like someone in a corporate meeting said, oh, we have to have this box checked, yeah. as opposed to organic creation. Yeah. And, it, and it's funny. It's it's difficult to, divine, to find exactly what games that get it right have but you you know it when you see it don't you like you you can recognize right away when it's a decision that was made as holistically as part of the game rather than something that was just tweaked later or 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 shoved in uh it's it's intangible but somehow you just know (laughs) you know and and also and often oftentimes you find out after the fact you know about the cases where something has been adjusted or changed for for you know cynical reasons uh, or insincere reasons um jen any any more uh, or any final ones that sort of uh, bother you <laughs> um the only other one that really came up was or came to mind today was games that basically put on this facade of an open world game when you know at the core it's not like Eleanor. i loved the interrogation part, I loved the, like, the old-fashioned kind of retro vibe, obviously. I loved, you know, yeah. it, it was just, it, all of that was so cool. But, and kind of being around, like, the whole Black Dahlia case and all that. But it's like, why make it an open-world game where you're driving from point A to point B and back and forth and back and forth and all over this little map when it's like there's nothing to really explore or find? It was just you're going here now you're going here now you're going here it's like why make it an open world game busy busy work to pad out the length of the game basically yeah yeah i just i, I don't it just bothers me i don't yeah. know <laughs> that one really irritates me because i love open world games yeah, well, well that was a game that I, i've heard some people complain about the combat generally like that it should have been fewer and far between <laughs> you know yeah particularly if it was trying to simulate the real life of a cop and I don't know if people know this, but the average cop does not gun down like several dozen people in the line of duty during the course of an investigation. Uh, The rest of the game was like really, you know, praise for its uh, real. I know it has to be a game, but but at some point, you know, if if games if there are games like Sherlock Holmes and they exist where, you know, the closest thing to combat in the whole game is one sequence where Watson has to wrestle a guy's revolver out of his hand, uh, then, yeah, you can make games without combat. And, you know, you're, it's sort of insulting to people's intelligence when you pretend that you can't. Then again, yeah. it is Rockstar. And, you know, I, I have a feeling that, uh, that that these guys have sort of a. Um, an antisocial streak <laughs> if, if if their games are any uh, indication anyway. So maybe maybe that's why they need the fighting in there. Um, <laughs> how about you, Tony? What's sort of the last one that, um, that gets under your skin? Um, I'm hoping you guys might be able to back me up with some more examples of this because I'm not sure how you know, prevalent this actually really is because mm. I can really only think of like two examples, but it does definitely bother me. One in particular um, is misleading marketing. Mm, um so specifically like halo 5 was built as this great you know walk against master chief kind of mystery of why did he turn and do all this and it just the the game was nothing like that you know i thought it was going to be kind of like this mystery you know it it, even the pre-marketing material that a lot of casual fans would have looked into but obviously i did um like all the reading and everything that came into it it built up this this sense of a, a game that didn't happen something completely different um the only other one i could think of was and this isn't i'm sure there was other material but i remember reading a game informer right before 
God, what's what's you know unbury this uh, dead horse? But when when they were coming out about Mass Effect, you know all these different implications and the endings, having all these different choices, and me really looking forward to that. And obviously that didn't happen. Um, but I don't know if you guys can think of any other. And I'd be interested to hear if you guys have any other examples that you can think of off the top of your head of misleading marketing. Um, jeez, I mean, I I don't like when you when I find out later that a lot of the plot and background has been shoved into ants like peripheral material. I don't mind when there is like novelizations and comics etc. that add to the experience. But if I find out that in order to actually understand the game, and I think Tony, this is a, a Halo thing in some cases, I find if I find out that I've got to like do some research in order to actually understand what I just played. That sort of bugs the hell out of me, and of course they're oh. never gonna, they're never going to be upfront about that, right? They're going to present it as though it's a complete story with a beginning, middle, and an end, and sometimes that just isn't the case. So. Yeah, Halo Four is a definite uh, definite culprit of that. But yeah, another one I was actually just thinking of talking about Halo is uh, Destiny when they originally sold that as this grand masterpiece of a story and all this, and then you come to find out like they had to scrap it like a year before release, and they had to completely redo it. Oh, if you want the story, you got to go read these grimoire cards on the Bungie.net website. Mm-hmm kind of thing any, any non-bungee examples here room are we <laughs> uh, two, two that come to mind to me were um aliens colonial marines it was mm-hmm. advertised as there you go a big the marines versus the aliens that was the game then you get into it and you spend 90 percent of your time fighting against other people it just felt like a like completely not only betray what the trailers led us to believe but what the developers themselves told us another example that just pops off the top of my head is dragon age 2 it was a game sold to us as open world, choices matter, you know, all that diddly diddly dee. But <laughs> at the end of the day, that just simply wasn't what was on the game. And it feels like in that game in particular, I think a lot of the fan outrage about it would have been not nearly as huge if they had just been up front with what the game was. Same with yeah. Colonial Marines. In and of itself, Colonial Marines was not a terrible game, but when you're expecting one thing and get the rug pull, you're just going to be pissed off whatever you get. Don't don't make sure Jim Sterling doesn't hear you say that that wasn't a horrible game. He will. He will. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one that sort of bothers me on that same sort of subject is I I really hate it when they haven't managed to scrub out those rough areas where you can tell that there used to be that content in the game. And they've just sort of papered over it with like a caution tape, you know, that don't don't go past here, you know, like if, if you're if you're gonna leave this stuff out, don't leave these telltale signs here that like that you know still hint at the at the crap that they pulled out. I you know if you're if you're gonna if you're not gonna include it in the game, remove all traces of it and and don't rub it in my face because there's a lot of people like a Tony for example that that eat and drink the marketing and then they go to play the game and and have it shoved in their face again that it's not there anymore. So they 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 could be a little more sensitive in that area too. Um, uh, sort of a final question for everybody. Uh, and, and I, I honestly don't know that I have an answer for this because there's, uh, there's so many ones that fall on either side of the, the line, but, uh, and I'll, I'll ask you all, but Goose, uh, do you think that, and give me examples if you've got them, can a game that features a lot of your own personal pet peeves still be enjoyable? And is there like, what's the line? Is, yes. is, is there, is there a way <laughs> Like Goose, is there is I, there a, a formula, or does the, the game just have to overcome some some aspect of the game has to overcome the crap? If it, if it's full of the things that I don't like, it's gonna have to either be what's good about it is gonna have to be good enough to overcome it. But at the same time, for example, if I'm playing an RPG that is irritating me, if the story is good, mm. I can get past almost anything because I want to see how it ends. With an action game, if you know the gunplay and whatnot is good, I can get over a negative story. Yeah. So it really depends on genre to genre as to how they can overcome what are the negatives. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Jen? I have a couple examples that are that that have aspects that I hate that I still love. Like until mm-hmm. dawn, I hate quick time events. <laughs> I've always hated them with a passion, yeah. and yet I absolutely loved that game. I played it like three times in a row before I moved on to something else. Um, but it was implemented to me in a way that didn't feel so, I don't know, like I, I guess I feel like maybe I had more time or something. It just, it didn't feel so irritating. I didn't feel like I was missing all of them. Yeah. Um, 
so it it, it was and it, I don't know it kind of felt like I was progressing this movie along you know it kind of worked in with the experience of it feeling like the cinematic yeah thing so I think in that case it fit in okay where I still love the game yeah and then Resident Evil has Resident Evil 7 as boss fights which I again always hate and yet I loved the game so much in every other way that those didn't really bother me at all yeah uh how about you Tony is there a game for you that uh stuff bugged the crap out of you but it you know it just managed to rise above and is there some like is there some magic line at which you know an annoying game can can still be so, something that you ultimately enjoy? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess to answer your annoying question, like, is there a, a game that I was, uh, I was was it that annoying a question? <laughs> oh, oh no, yeah, my no, my question about it being annoying. Oh no, I have I have examples, but I'm just trying to you know summarize the point here that yes, there I think games <laughs> that have certain of your own personal pet peeves you can still enjoy um <laughs> like again so i use the example of uh, andromeda um with the whole jump mechanic i i enjoyed the game I, I still had fun playing it i wanted to see it through even because of the the jump mechanic yeah um or the overuse of it but uh even uh, well to more or less extent uh like halo 5 the, obviously the, the marketing was misleading i didn't enjoy the story but i felt like the the gameplay itself was really fun so i enjoyed playing that and obviously that carried over to the multiplayer yeah um and the other example i was just thinking about actually uh going back to resident evil um <laughs> resident evil 6 yes it had an overabundance of quick time events and the story was just all over the place had you removed the resident evil well let's not even go that far what i thought it was a good game in and of itself regardless of all its flaws as weird as that sounds and had they have slapped any other name other than resident evil on it i think it would have been a better game as weird as that may sound but uh, again to summarize yeah i think it is possible for you to uh to overall enjoy a game that has one or more of your own personal pet peeves in it. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I used an example recently. I, I did an article a retrospective about the legacy of Kane soul reaver series. And I, uh, you know, there, there were a couple games in that series that had some stuff in them that I just could not stand, uh, certain game mechanics. But for me, and I don't know if, if you guys find this for me, that the number one thing that can kind of pull it back is the, is writing writing and and sort of stylistic stuff as well if a game really stands apart and has quality writing i'm i'm often willing to forget forgive quite a lot um a, another um another example of that uh i i think would be um oh so, some of uh, one of some of the early uh metal gear games too they had some they had some stuff in them <laughs> some of that we discussed earlier that were really annoying like some boss fights that were terrible some control stuff that were that were awful but they they did enough to they they did enough to impress me in some of the other areas of the game that i was willing to to let that go um and that's impressive because there's other games that have featured the same exact problems that i've just rage quit and never gone back to so (laughs) yeah for me i think it's it's probably more story and style more more than anything else um you know another great great example is that game the fall tony which i recommended to you it's a I think a pretty good adventure game that that uh, has some limited combat in it that isn't the greatest, and it has one of my like absolute worst adventure game pet peeves is that they they'll use a really dark color palette for an area, and then you're expected to notice some ridiculously tiny detail, and if you're one molecule off of it when you're trying to click on it, you can't see it because it's just dark. Like I don't I don't get why games can't do a better job of just, you know, pointing out to you what you can interact with in, in a room instead of everything being shades of black and gray. But I was able to let that go because overall the experience and the writing were just so unique. But, you know, a, a lesser game that didn't have that immersion and, and style, etc., I'd be uh, I'd be given up on pretty quick. So I guess my yeah. advice to developers out there is if you're going to screw something up, make sure that uh, the rest of the game is tight <laughs> and you might get, you might skate on that alone. You know, uh, speaking of the fall, I actually have played it, and it might play into actually a pet peeve, is that I, I was enjoying it, but I was finding the puzzles infuriating, so I gave up on it for a little <laughs> yeah. while. Um, and I'm try- And actually, I brought up a point, I, and I'm not going to be able to think of it before we end the podcast, but there was, I don't know, maybe if you guys have a game like this, but there, I remember specifically there was a game I tried and could not stand it. Like, it, it just drove me up a wall, and I walked away from it. And then years later... I came back to pick it up, and then I, for whatever reason, I found out I enjoyed it. 
I cannot think of me for the life. I cannot think what that game was, but I don't know if there's anything, you know, similar situation you guys had. Ironically enough, that actually happened to me with the first Mass Effect game. (laughs) And it was the, I was kind of lost, like in, in the sense that I didn't know really where to go first or what to do. And I chose the wrong planet, trust me, to start with because I was just dying left and right. And then the Mako was just driving me nuts. And I was lost on this planet and the controls of this thing were bugging me and I was getting shot at and I was just like, nope. And I, I put the game down for months. Yeah. And then obviously went back to it and became obsessed. <laughs> uh, interestingly, if uh, anyone wants to uh, to read an article on this subject, I actually wrote a, an article called Second Impressions, Game I, Games I Gave Another Chance that's on the very topic, Tony. G- games that I played did not like initially and then went back to after some period of time. Um, and I feel like I have read that. Yes. Yeah. I, I think... I think you have too. Yeah, you know, like one of the examples I gave was the first Legacy of Kane game, and sort of, sort of the Berserk, the Guts Rage game on the Dreamcast. I literally went like seven years in between playthroughs. Wow. <laughs> so it, it, yeah, it happens. Um, it happens. First, Im- first impressions are important. Um, well, thanks everybody. That uh, I, I knew that uh, any time I put the call out for stuff to bitch about, in particular, that's <laughs> that's an easy. Uh, <laughs> that, 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 that's an easy We're one. We're down. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, I mean, I didn't get it, even get into a few of my examples, like you know, when I, when there's a flying sequence in a game and you pull back, like you're like it's you know trying to pull back on a stick in a plane, and they they haven't put the, those mechanics in. That sort of stuff is just ugh. anyway. Mm. Maybe we can come back to pet peeves too in in the future and unload on the rest of it. So, as I said up the top of the show, you can follow us on Twitter at. Enthusiasts or our YouTube channel, Enthusiasts, where all our video content, Let's Plays, etc. reside. Um, you can uh, check out our, our forums on the front page of Enthusiasts up on the top right uh, if you want to join in the discussions there. Our email address for this podcast is pointstreak at enthusiasts.com if you have any questions, uh, feedback, or suggestions for show ideas. Uh, thank you again to Goose, Jen, and Tony. Thank you for listening, and join us again on another episode of Point Streak. Thank you, guys. See you next time. time. Thank you.